This episode of the BS Podcast on the Ringer Podcast Network brought to you by our presenting sponsor, ZipRecruiter. You know, it's not smart spending like $130 million on your team, but not getting a good enough bench and Quinn Cook has to take the biggest shot of your season. You know, it is smart. Hiring with ZipRecruiter, ZipRecruiter's powerful technology scans thousands of resumes to find people with the right experience for your job. So effective, 80% of employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate throughout the site. In just one day, my listeners can try it for free at ZipRecruiter.com slash BS. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. Meanwhile, did I tell you about Grasshopper virtual phone system? If you're an entrepreneur, a small business owner, or even if you have a side gig, let me introduce you to it. Grasshopper lets you send and receive calls and texts from your new business phone number. That way, you can run your business anywhere and respond to clients quickly with Grasshopper's mobile apps. Grasshopper, sign up today. Here's what you do. Go to grasshopper.com slash BS to get $20 off your first month. That is grasshopper.com slash BS. S. Hey, theringer.com. We have some good stuff up there, including a really good piece from Katie Bakes, uh, who had her second child recently and her uh, her bond watching the Serena show on HBO and new mother Serena. It's really good. Mark Titus wrote about LeBron and what he means to Ohio. Might be LeBron's final Cavs game ever tonight. Who knows? And then on the Ringer Podcast Network, I'm on two extra podcasts this week. Dave Chang show. Episode four, the pre-opening diaries. We pick up after the restaurant opened about a month after in Los Angeles and was a delightfully surprising success, which if you listen to episode three, we were not feeling that way, maybe. Episode four, it's like, wow, that actually worked. And a lot of what he saw the first couple of weeks, it's really interesting if you like restaurants and food and if you like Dave Chang. Congrats to Dave Chang and the Caps, by the way. Uh, also, I was on the uh, Rewatchables. We brought it back a 20-episode season. We did The Social Network. Me, Chris Ryan, Sean Fennessy. It was awesome. Coming up, I'm going to talk to Chris Ryan from The Ringer about the NBA playoffs. And we're also going to talk to Johnny Knoxville, who has a new movie coming out. But first, Pearl Jam. <laughs> All right, it is Friday, Memorial Day weekend. Lots going on. It's one of those weird pods where so much is going to change over the next 48 hours that I almost don't even want to record one. But uh, we have this Johnny Knoxville interview coming up after this. Chris Ryan is here from The Ringer. Hey, Bill. The editorial director. Mm -hmm. host, One of the hosts of The Ringer NBA show. Bizarre game last night. Yeah. Rockets took a 3-2 lead, but it somehow felt like a loss because Chris Paul definitely got hurt. And woke up this morning saying he wasn't feeling good. Not good. It didn't seem great. And I keep looking at that game and thinking like everything turned on that weird inadvertent whistle, which I still don't understand. It was definitely a travel. I don't understand why they can't review that. It was an awful call. It was a huge call. They get the ball back, but that's when Chris Paul misses. Then it comes back down and Quinn Cook takes the three and <laughs> <laughs> takes a lot of shit the rest of the night on the internet, fairly and unfairly, because to me, it's like sometimes in these playoff series, 
like one moment is like a symptom of why this team should not win the sure. title. Yeah. And the Warriors have five guys that I trust and nobody else on the roster. And the reality is they win that game if he makes the three, but he missed the three because he's Quinn Cook. And he missed the three because they had nobody else to put in that spot Yeah, because they only have five guys because they have seven centers on their roster and all these other dudes and Caspi didn't work out. And they basically botched last summer. They, they brought have, Livingston back. Yeah. They spent a lot of money in Iguodala. They weren't able to get any buyout guys. Why did Philly get Bellinella and Ilya, Bill, Bellinelli and Ilya Sova? You could just call him Belly Sova. It's Belly easier. Sova. But like they didn't get anybody. And that and that's what ends up to Quinn Cook shooting the biggest three of the game. So and maybe may, the series. Maybe it's a little bit of hubris thinking you can develop the guys yourselves. And maybe it's also, I don't know, the, that starting lineup is one of the best starting lineups of all time. And then the bench is an art exhibit. It's like an absolute like performance art. Like, what are you doing with all those centers that you're not playing? One of the things I love about the playoffs, when it's a good playoff, sometimes it's not. But the, in this case, I think this is a really good old school like playoffs with where rosters really matter and what you did in the summer matters. You basically, the number of guys you trust as the rounds go along dwindles. The Celtics are now at seven. Yeah. Like Stevens finally realized I can't play Sammy Ojale anymore. I just can't. I'm going to, I have to go with these seven Much guys. Much to Tyler's chagrin. <laughs> yeah. Tyler's like, wait a second. I don't plan for Sammy Ojale. But that's it. They have seven guys now. The Cavs, they can't even find five. You know, they're throwing Jordan Clarkson out there in game five. Like he's going to do anything. And all of us were in the stand. I went to game five. All of us were in the stands. Like, please keep shooting. He took 10 shots in 15 minutes. Great. Yeah. That means everyone else isn't shooting. I didn't want them to give the ball to Kevin Love that whole game. And it's like, please, Jordan Clarkson, you're feeling it. Go. Kevin um, Love feels more and more like a big Clay Thompson to me. Like everything he does is dependent on other players. They can never really like rely on him to create his own offense or to soak up pressure or anything like that. But I, when they post him up, it, it, he, it's, it's successful just every but time. But they don't use him like that. I know. They don't I, use I him think like that. It's been Ty Lue's biggest mistake of the series is not realizing that Kevin Love kills the Celtics. And other than Al Horford, unless they put Morris on him, there's really not anybody in the on the team that can guard him. Yeah. The uh, Back to the Warriors-Rockets game, though. I've never seen the Warriors this discombobulated other than 2016 Game 7 right. Finals. That last six minutes when they basically lost the title because he had to play Festus Azili, which is very similar to this Quinn Cook thing. And then they just couldn't get good shots. And they were trying to, and, and you know, I the Rockets were getting a lot of credit for their defense and rightly so. But I, I I just thought the Warriors looked discombobulated. I don't think Curry, he, I don't even know if he's hurt or not. He's just not playing well. It shouldn't be this hard for him to create offense for himself and other people. The Rockets aren't that good. Yeah. I don't understand it. I also wonder whether or not there's something to the Rockets playing in these tight situations at the end of games. You can see them coming back in like wave after wave of three if they're down like 16, something like that, like, the game six from a few years ago and against Oakland, uh, Oklahoma when Clay just went off, right? Yeah. And you can see them kind of holding a lead, being up 22 and just never letting you back in the game. But it does seem like they get a little bit tight when it's a three-point back and forth, back and forth lead swing. I felt like last year this wasn't a problem. And this year it does feel like a problem that that seems to be growing. It, the, the Durant-Curry thing doesn't seem as defined this year. And I think this started 
you could feel it before the season started when they handed out the rings. Durant was the finals MVP. We left that summer going, that guy's the best player in the league now. And then the ring ceremony and all that stuff. And you could see it was like, Steph goes last. Steph gave the speech. This is Steph's team. Mm -hmm. I just thought it was really interesting how they handled it. I remember I mentioned it on a podcast at the time, but they were very, very careful about putting out the perception. This is still Steph's team. And I and you can kind of feel it this whole season. And then when things happen in the Rockets where you like need a basket, it's like, well, are you, it, it, it starts being that LeBron Wade 2011 thing. Yeah. And I just didn't think that was an issue last year. Last year, it was like everything was seamless. Well, they were probably both playing... They're both pretty healthy going into the playoffs. Obviously, yeah. Steph missed some time. It just does feel like their offense, their offensive preferences have diverged. Yeah. Steph has a certain way of playing, a kind of playing in the flow of the offense and kind of making a lot of his own stuff by dribbling around, going underneath the hoop, coming back out, hey, dribble handoff, come back around on another screen, see what's going on. Kevin, he likes it in Oklahoma and he likes it. In Golden State, he likes to get the ball in the wing and just kind of eyeball somebody for a while. Yeah. And I don't know if how, how like they, they, that obviously works really well most of the time. But right now at nut cutting time, it's tough. And it's tough when Livingston's out there and, yeah. and whoever's guarding him. Like that, the biggest play of that game was the Quinn Cook play where um, Curry was coming around in the screen. I think they had told Quinn Cook, you have to shoot. But if you look at the bottom, like P.J. Tucker, I think it was P.J. Tucker, he's just standing under the basket because Sean Livingston, you don't have to worry about him. He's just over there. Yeah. And they don't have, so they don't have the same spacing anymore. But in general, like, there's been something off with this team all year. They play a great game, they'd let up the next game. They'd play good for a week, and then they'd let up again. And there, there doesn't seem to be that kind of fundamental need that you could feel from the Rockets in these last two games where these Rockets are like, we might win the title. Yes. I would fucking, I will do anything to win the title. <laughs> yes. I will rip my Harden heart was, out of my own chest. It was a pretty emotional night. Obviously last night in Houston with the Santa yeah. Fe kids in the crowd, but Harden was on the verge of tears last night. Like he can taste it. And, yeah. You know, and he was terrible. You, you win a game when your best player is 0 for 11 from three. Did you ever think that you would be in a world where somebody asked James Harden how they were able to pull it off towards the end of the game? And he was like, we had to rely on our defense again. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, the, the the PJ Tucker thing, he didn't play that well for Toronto in the in the spring last year, and I think it threw everyone off. I also think it's really tough to just get thrown into a new team mm -hmm. and be like, "Hey, do stuff." And uh, and he kind of threw everyone off the scent a little bit. JJ said on my podcast on Wednesday, JJ Redick, that he thought he was going there, and then Daryl pulled off, pulled back the fourth year. And then Iguodala was there, but then all of a sudden they landed with PJ Tucker for I think like eight or nine million. And that's just a better fit for them, I think, than those other two guys. Can you talk a little bit historically, because I'm always interested in this part, about how hard it is to go for the fourth time. And, you know, LeBron's an alien. And in a lot of ways, it, LeBron is a great example of how hard it is to make yeah. one of these campaigns because he just alienates and and organizational fatigue and wears yeah. everybody down because of how driven he is to do it. But you're saying on and off, on and off. Is that a product of... It's been four years of this. It's like a hundred games a year, you know. Like, yeah. it's for me. It seems more like uh, unless you have that crazy alpha dog dude, it's just hard to keep summoning it. You know, it's like anything else. It's like when you know we've both been writing stuff for a long time, and you hit a point where you just know how to do it, and then the challenge becomes: all right, there's my empty word document. All right, I got to write something. Yeah. 
And sometimes it's not fun. And you could definitely feel that with the uh, during the NBA season. But I do feel like JJ, when we talked about is basketball harder to play now than it was 10 years ago? And he's like, absolutely. It is so much harder. There's so much more running, the threes and just, and I really do wonder if the season's too long. And now that we're in this every other day mode, like these games weren't good. Game five in Boston, I went to that one, was not a good basketball game. Yeah. And the Cavs looked gassed. The Celtics like completely fell apart in the second half. They just seemed, you know, and then they're playing again Friday night. And in the old days, it was fine. You play every other day. You play you, the Celtics and the Pistons when they were playing in the eighties. They would play Saturday, Sunday, game three, game four, stuff like that. I think basketball is too hard now, and and I I think they're going to really have to figure out, um, you know, because they, they what ends up happening is Chris Paul ends up getting hurt with yeah. a minute left at game five because that that dude was going full speed three out of the last five nights like he's like a football running back. We had the same you had the same problem in soccer, right? When they have the like the Champions uh, League is going against the, yeah, the whatever. Those guys, and met- England specifically plays through the Christmas break, basically. In fact, they play basically more or less every three days during the Christmas break. Which is which is for soccer insane. Yeah. And then they play, not only do they play in Europe, but they have their domestic cups. So there'll be an up like upwards of two cups in in like tournaments in England. And then what happens is then when they get to the World Cup. <laughs> in the they're summer, just dead. the English guys are always gassed. Now they're also not as good, but they're usually a lot of questions about like whether they're just burned out from playing usually pretty high octane styles of football with their clubs. Like so Liverpool and Tottenham who supply a bunch of players to the English English national team play like Nolan Richardson, Arkansas style. You know, they're just like pressing and counter pressing and you'll see when they get there, it's like, they're just not as like the Germans and the the Spanish players and even the Brazilians. They're just they they have like a much more relaxed schedule if they're not playing in England. Do you have a World Cup sleeper for us, by the way? Are you saving um, this for Ringer FC? There, we have a bunch of those. I can give you it now. Is I mean, there like a forty-eight. So one? the hipster pick is is Belgium. Oh, they'll lose. Who but else? they have a bad manager, uh, Colombia. Colombia. That's O'Hanlon's, and it's starting to okay. like seem. Pretty what are the odds for that? It's pretty. They're they're like, I think it's plus fourteen hundred. I can't remember. It's pretty high. The, uh, for basketball, the Warriors are still favored in this Rocket series. And I think they're 10-point favorites in game six in a, in a must-win game. This playoffs has had some of the weirdest gambling lines we've ever had. Philly, I think, was favored, favored. in every game. Yeah. <laughs> of the of round two. I didn't care for that. <laughs> the, the game fives the other night, the Celtics were favored by one and the Warriors were favored by one. And I'm sure it's happened, but I just, off the top of my head, could not remember two minus one lines for game fives. Game fives are usually the, uh, are usually the scariest and most frightening um, game, but usually you would at least be like a minus four, minus five, somebody's whatever. Yeah. And in this case, no. Uh, if Chris Paul doesn't come back, the Rockets. Yeah, this win. is a wrap, right? As good as Eric Gordon is, they pass that point of just. Do they have a backup guard? They don't really have, they don't really have another, they don't even think of it as a point guard. It's more like a creator. Yeah. So it's basically Gordon and Harden. Does that I mean, are we going to have to see Anderson? I mean. We might. Yeah. I actually think they're a little more fine than people realize just from the offense part. They'll be able to run the same offense with Harden and Gordon. It'll be a lot more ISO. But the problem is you're dusting off people who just haven't played. Right. And that's when it gets dangerous. Like the the Cavs doing that with Jordan Clarkson on Wednesday night. It's like that guy hasn't played in a week and a half. 
You're not, he's supposed to hit open threes at the corner with people yelling at him. <laughs> to tell you something, he couldn't hit open threes no, when, he, no. when he was playing 35 minutes a night in LA. The uh, the young legs thing is super important. Yeah. The Cavs do not have young legs. And I think you could feel it in that game five. And then you look at the uh, the Warriors dudes. Those guys are all like relatively in their prime, but you mentioned the miles. And, you know, the four straight finals thing, you're right. LeBron's an alien. But the history of this is this, that fourth year, the team starts breaking down. Mm-hmm. And we saw it over and over again. We saw it with the 2014 Miami Heat. You, going back to the 80s, you saw it with uh, with the Celts. By 87, they were just shot. Mm-hmm. Um, with, the, with the Bulls, we didn't see it because MJ just left after the third year. He didn't want any part of the fourth year. Um, why, why he thought that, we'll never know. But it's, it's hard to remember going into a weekend with 3-2. By the end of this weekend, we'll know who's in the finals. And you could tell me any of the four teams could, oh, were going to win, and I would be like, okay, that makes sense. Nobody should buy their plane tickets or make their hotel reservations. Yeah, I have no idea who's going to win it. I, I I think it could very well be Boston-Houston if, if Paul's hurt or if it's just like LeBron just decides to, like he's been saving it for the last two games to go after it in the last, in six and seven, you would, it wouldn't surprise me either. The problem for them with LeBron is he can have his best game and they can still lose. Mm-hmm. And that's never happened before. In game two, he was incredible. They lost. They lost by 13. He can't do it for four quarters. He can do it for like three. And they, they might just not be good enough. Now, you can tell me they're going to win by 20 tonight. And then you get to seven. And now you're counting on a 20-year-old kid who is by far the best scorer in the team and doesn't seem to totally but they're realize nails that. There. They're really good I'm at I'm just home. saying, 20, 21, you know, ir- irrational confidence dudes who can go either way in any game. And it's the Celtics team is not a slam dunk in a game seven. What an amazing uh, referendum on home court advantage we're going to get in these conference finals. I know. Let's take a quick break. Let's take a break. Talk about betterment. How do you know you're saving and investing for the life you want? Are you confused by finances, big and small? Are you intimidated by the market? Well, Betterment, the world's largest online financial advisor, is here to change that. Its mission is to help customers make the most of their money by taking complex investing strategies and using technology to make them more efficient. At Betterment, no hidden costs. No matter who you are or how much money you invest, you get everything for one low transparent management fee. They make recommendations in clients' best interests as a fiduciary. They're not incentivized to recommend certain funds. They do not have investment products to sell that belong to them. They offer personalized advice and a suite of tools to help you know whether you're on track to hit your investing goals or get the retirement you want. I'm ready to retire. I'm tired. Sign up today. And as the as a Bill Simmons podcast listener, you can get up to one year managed free. What a bonus. I keep giving you stuff. Remember, investing revolves risk. For more information, visit betterment.com slash BS, that is betterment.com slash BS. Back to Chris Ryan. One thing I was thinking about last night, are we sure Durant's coming back to Golden State next year? Yes. We're you sh- would know. You're the, you're the Durant whisperer. You tell I, me. I wish I was. I wish I had information like that. I don't know. Last night was the first night when I watched him and thought to myself, it would actually be a great move for him to to leave and go to like the Lakers and just have his own team. <laughs> just move to, <laughs> move to Los Angeles. You think now he wants his own team? 
No, I, I, I think he's going to stay there. And I, I think he's too self-conscious about the whole, what, what would people think if I did this part at this point? Also, isn't he's so his damaged. life incredible there? Isn't he like invested in like 106 apps and just has like an awesome life in Oakland? That's a big part of it. But I think he went there because he loves basketball and he wanted to be on a team where he could use all the basketball pieces of himself. And then you watch this series and you're like, oh, that's not really happening anymore. And I'm not positive this is the all-time best basketball situation for you. And I don't think Draymond's the same guy as he was two years ago. And I think that's been kind of the sleeping giant of this series. Warriors been sitting around our office, like the whole playoffs is the only person who can beat the Warriors is Draymond. He was, he killed them last night. But he's, as a three-point shooter, just isn't the same. The Rockets are clearly happy with him shooting whenever. Like, please, go ahead, keep taking shots. And he doesn't have the same confidence on that end. And defensively, just isn't, he is still probably one of the six, seven best defensive players in the league, but he's not dominant defensively like he was, you know? And he's just, there's just something slightly different. Mm-hmm. And maybe it's the attrition of four had, years. If he had made that dunk, if he hadn't bricked that dunk. That was a big moment, yeah, though. Yeah, I know. I know. It really was. And that stuff like that happens and you think to yourself, eh, file that one away, you know? That's, that's a moment. But uh, I just wonder... Will this Warriors team, let's say they lose. Let's say they lose this weekend. How do you bring this team back with all four when you can't really improve anyone around it? So who's who are the most likely candidates? Let's be realistic. Like Durant's not going to leave, right? So like, would it be that this, did Clay ever sign I that? Say, I would say there's almost a 0% chance KD would leave. But last night was the first night I was like, hey, I wonder if he would leave. I don't think he would leave to go to like Miami and start over again. You know what I mean? I think he wants to be playing for titles every year. And he all the reasons why he said he wanted to go to Golden State are still in play. He wanted to play in this like elite basketball system with incredible players. Yeah. He wanted to like take advantage of all his skills as a player. And I don't think he really wants to have the burden of the entire franchise on his shoulders. And that's why Steph and Draymond are there. Could Clay be the guy then? Yeah. I think Clay or Draymond, it could be in play. I don't think that they would do it. I think that Clay would be a nice sixer. Uh, you know, dude, I'm bleeding out of my eyes for Clay Thompson on the Sixers. Sixers win the finals with Clay Thompson. I'm actually at a point just as as somebody who loves basketball, where I'd be all for that, for for just a new team for Clay Thompson. Yeah, because you know, I also think these you really have a four to six year run as a great team, and then you just have to repeat the cycle. And I think that's the case for anything. They're in this is year four. They've had an awesome run. And you could even say it's year five because in 2014, that Clipper series was great. I really enjoyed that. But maybe maybe a new something's going to have to change if they lose. My guess would be they'll change the coach and they'll do it in a really, really kind of respectful way where it's like he, he physically, he's going to do TV for a couple of years and try to get himself right. But that would be my guess. And I think Clay would be the number two pick for what they do, if they if they did it. I do not see them bringing back everybody next year if they lose. So you think that it's more likely that Kerr says, you know what, it's just too hard on me physically to do this 100 nights a year? Oh, yeah. You know why I'll say that? Because I think it is. Yeah. I don't think he's the same guy. I, I think the last three years, I, I think he's fairly miserable physically and he's been gutting through it. But I, I think he had much more fun in that first title season. And even then his back was like a mess. Yeah. But you watch him, of all the coaches, 
He's the one who just seems like he is having the worst. Well, time. he looks like a president. You know all those pictures of presidents when they yeah. come into the office, and well, with the exception of the current one, and it's like they look <laughs> yeah. like they look like this like, sort of young whippersnapper who can't wait to get after it, and then at the end they just look like uh, the the old guy at the end of two thousand and one. Right. He's been through the the, the Milky Way. <laughs> That's what Kerr's starting to look like. Well, and you know, fun. like as soon as he goes back down to San Diego, and oh, like, he'll be great. Yeah. He'll be nice and tan. His back will be better, right? Because I do think those he'll stress of this stuff. Three years, yeah. <laughs> but I wonder if like the physical limitations that he has cost them Game Four. Well, he because there was a three seconds there when Durant made that weird pass to Clay. Bill, this is an amazing take. Thank you, thank you. Put this on first take. And there's about two and a half seconds there when the coach had to run onto the court and call timeout. But you, poor Steve Kerr has like the back surgery thing. You've just hit on a whole other untapped mind oh, of sports you. writing the physical condition of coaches <laughs> yeah. and whether or not they're costing their team's win by not being able to leap I'll out of their seat to call a timeout. I'll tell you who would have been out there, Brad Stevens. Yes. He would have been right out there. <laughs> timeout! You wonder why Brad Stevens is doing sprints every morning. Listen, it's That's an advantage. <laughs> physical physical uh, fitness is an advantage. Yeah. No, but I, I think Stevens absolutely, I 100%, I've watched him for five years, would have called timeout the moment it became clear Clay didn't have a shot. He's done that. He's done that time and time again. I've never seen anybody in my life be able to recognize this is going wrong faster than he does mm -hmm. and just be boom and he's out. Um, but that was a big play. And right now, it reminds me of the Philly Boston series where it's like the Philly Boston series came down to six plays. Yeah. This series really came down to two plays is them not getting a good shot on that play. And then I guess the the Quinn Cook shot, maybe Curry. That Curry shot was terrible to win the game. Was that the shot you want? The the running full speed whip off the backboard, <laughs> 15 footer? How is that their best shot? This is the most important play of your whole season, basically. That was the shot. And then with seven seconds left, the best they could do is Draymond running full speed, like with the ball bouncing off his knee. So let me ask you this, because I think you were talking about this with Zach. But you've been talking about this throughout the playoffs is this sort of like the series chess match yeah. and the way guys distribute their energy in different games. If you're Houston, I would you, I would toss it. Do you even play Paul? I would not play like, him. Do you even like put him in like, do you even put him on a plane? I would not play him. I would actually try to emulate. I'm going way back here. The, the, the Lakers going into Philly for game six, 1980. Cream's not even on the plane. Yeah. It's like, he's not here. Don't think about him. Don't even look at him. It's, this is our team for this game. And then Magic does what Magic does. And Jamal Wilkes at 37. Um, I would I would do the, the, the weird kind of throwing away the game, not really move, of shooting like 55 threes. Yeah. It's just like, Gerald Green, tonight's the night, baby. <laughs> <laughs> Add some extra bullets to your holster. And uh, then, by the way, Gerald Green, another guy the Warriors should have signed. And I personally knew Gerald Green was good because he was awesome in the Celtics last year and he was like the most popular dude in that locker room. I don't, and he wasn't even on a team until December. And yet they had JaVale McGee and Zaza and all these fucking dudes who don't play. Yeah. Like, why not have like roll the dice with Gerald Green? That was weird. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, I think the Rockets, how many threes a game are they shooting in this series? Well, close to, they want to be shooting 40, right? I think we could see like 52. I would go fast pace, ton of threes, make it a weird, chaotic, stupid game, and hope it goes your way. And if not, you punt 
and then game seven, go back to slow it down. Yeah. Like what did the Warriors get 72 shots last night? Yeah. That's crazy. That's crazy. It is funny though. Like we thought this Warriors team was so invincible and to watch PJ Tucker, Trevor Ariza, Chris Paul, James Harden, and Eric Gordon look like the fucking 90, 96 bulls on yeah. defense. I was not expecting that. They play, and I just never would have thought that the Rockets would be in a series where they got Capella played off the floor. You know, I never thought that they would be like, let's have, we have this whole other look for you with PJ at the five, because I just didn't, I just didn't think they had it in their back pocket. I think one thing I remembered as this playoffs went along is you have your regular season team and your playoff team. I think it's great to have Capella and Gobert and well, all these guys. What's wild is those regular those playoff teams can sometimes define your regular season teams to come. And that's what that's what happened the lineup of death, right? Yeah, but you can't play the lineup of death for seven sure. straight months. And but it's why maybe you're like, yeah, maybe we can just get by with Zaza or Javale. Yeah, because we we know what we're gonna look like in the postseason. I think the Celtics. I think tonight is a close game. That's the only prediction I'll make. I think it will come down to the last few minutes. I think the young legs are going to matter tonight in a good way. Mm -hmm. And unless Kevin Love is the swing guy for the Cavs, if he just has an awesome game, like I, I think they they could win by 10 or more. But they need to get like 65 points from him and LeBron. Because I think this Celtics team defensively has figured out what to do. I mm -hmm. can see it. I can see it on Wednesday. Like they they finally figured out the switches Tatum played the best two-way game I've ever seen him play. And it, it, there's still so much more there. But uh, the, the way he was switching on Wednesday night with him and Brown, it was it was staggering. I couldn't believe it. Tatum's like been in the league for seven months. And he just instinctively know, oh, I'll go. Oh, you, you, you know, it's like, I don't, people don't realize how hard that is. But anyway, I think tonight's going to be close. I think the Rockets punt on game six, but might still win it anyway if they go like 22 for 50 from three. And then uh, I don't think the Warriors can beat the Rockets in Houston if Chris Paul is remotely healthy. No. But if he isn't healthy, I don't think the Rockets have enough guys. So it's all in, it's all in a hamstring then. Can we talk about All-NBA for one second and then we'll go? Sure. I felt pretty good about my picks for the most part. I had... Did I you had, have DeRozan uh, over Dame? Who? Did you have DeRozan over Dame? No. In fact, I, oh, had, you... De I had DeRozan on the third team. I had oh. Oladipo over DeRozan. And I kind of can't believe that wasn't how it played out. And I don't understand. Are, do people watch basketball? <laughs> I mean, there's 125 voters. It's just like whatever the narrative is in February stays the narrative. Like, Oladipo's better than DeRozan this season. Blog boys, man. I don't know. He just was. He was better. Yeah. He's a better two-way player. He meant more to a much shittier team. They were within like nine wins of each other and the, and the supporting cast weren't even close. And I, it was no contest to me. I didn't understand it. His stats were better, but it's just, it's funny. Like Toronto is bitches about oh, nobody with Toronto. It's like people actually do pay attention to Toronto. You know, they don't pay attention to Indiana. So that was crazy. Uh, I feel okay about Durant over Giannis for that first forward spot, but I did agonize over that yeah. and went back and forth on it. I just felt like Durant shouldn't lose his spot unless it gets taken almost like a boxer. Yeah. Like take my spot. You don't just get, you know, I didn't love the way he finished the season, but uh, Paul George making the third team was weird to me. I don't need to tell you this, but Ben Simmons was awesome after the all-star break. <laughs> yeah, like he was one of the best 15 players in the league. And I thought that should have been rewarded. 
I never watched OKC and other than like a three week stretch was like, wow, Paul George, whoa, holy mackerel. But my my big regret was I picked Gobert over Horford for third team all NBA. Wow. What and a I, sin. Well, <laughs> I got carried away by the win streak. But the reality is he only played like 58 games or something. Horford played the whole season. His team had a better record. And he's a better basketball player. And the playoffs bore it out, you know? And I, I just, do I wish I could do you guys make your votes before back. the playoffs? Yeah, you do yeah. it right after the season. What about Curry? Curry, I just, if you don't play two-thirds of the season, you're out on okay. my ballot. So it's like about 57, 58 games is the 50, 56, maybe 57. And if you're below there, I just, I, unless there are no options, I can't vote for you. I was shocked. I, I'd have, I'd have to have somebody look this up. I've never seen anybody make an all NBA team playing less games. He only played 51 games and he got hurt. He really played 50. He got hurt in the 51st game pretty early. If you could redo your vote today, would, would smart replace uh, Damian Lillard? <laughs> Dame Lillard, I'm, I'm fine with that. Intangibles, all intangibles. Do you? The problem is they do, they do. You have to vote for two guards, and you have to vote for two forwards. So you can't really get creative at all. So it's like there was like six forwards. Like Lamarcus Aldridge shouldn't be a second team All NBA player. Earmuffs over there. Um, the uh, he's just not. He's not one of the best ten players in the league. That's ludicrous. But because they have this stupid thing where you get in and. and um, but that's how I ended up with Simmons over George, but I really care about this stuff. Cause when I did my book, I, uh, you know, I really leaned on these teams to try to figure out who meant what. And every year something was screwed up and didn't make sense. And, and then you look at this year and people are going to think DeRozan was one of the best 10 players in the league. And he just wasn't. I'm going to ask a care. question that I really can't believe I'm going to ask. Embiid, second team all NBA. Congrats. Which one of the Celtics wings makes all NBA first? As a Celtic. So Tatum, Howard, uh, Hayward, or Brown. Oh, that's interesting because you threw Hayward in there. Yeah. I, I just think Tatum is going to be unbelievable. It's really disappointing for me personally. <laughs> it, it, the, the biggest thing that's changed about these Celtics playoff games from round one to round three is the Tatum reactions in the crowd. Like it's, it's on. Is he growing? Do you think he, is he like, I know it? No, that's the frustrated thing. He has no idea. Yeah. He's like a fucking, it's like watching my daughter play soccer where it's like, just turn around and shoot. You're going to score. Yeah. And they just don't get it yet. But he's, I don't know what the ceiling is anymore. He does, he does things during games where you're just like, oh my God, what's, what was that? But I do think, you know, there, there's. It can happen fast. Remember Durant that first year in Seattle? He shot like 40%. He was playing two guard. He's getting 20 a game, but he was on a bad team playing 40 minutes. And people were like, ah, he's not strong enough. And But you could see the seeds of something. Mm -hmm. I think Tatum is actually further along this season with all the reps he's getting than Durant was. But within two years, Durant was at 30 a game. And people are like, what the fuck? Yeah. How is he averaging 30 a game? I think it happens fast. He Tatum has all the shots already. You know, and it's funny, like, I, I just think he's one of the five most untradeable guys now. I really do. It's like Giannis, Davis, BS, Tatum. Who'd be the fifth? I mean, you, then you get older and you go with the LeBron Durant right. guys. But who? Oh, Towns? Towns? I would have Towns fifth on that list because he's closer to the max He's also extension. increasingly tradable, apparently. <laughs> 
Yeah, well, but I mean, at least the rumors. The thing that I'm eyeballing, and then we'll go, we'll, we'll hit Johnny Knoxville up. Um, this Doncic thing is insane to me. The slip? This is a bunch of bullshit, though, isn't it? I don't know. I don't know. This is like, if he falls out of the top four, you're going to see one of the smart teams, and I think we only have about four of them, and the Celtics actually have the assets to do this. You'd be like, oh, really? He's going to drop out of the top four? Here, Here's all of our stuff. We'll take him. Yeah. Like somebody smart is going to be like, this I think is my the favorite craziest thing, thing about ever. it is definitely the, uh, <laughs> the the panic about his diet that he likes to go to the Hard Rock Cafe in Madrid. He's 18. I know. He's I'm five scared. years older than my daughter. <laughs> this is ridiculous. He's two years younger than Jason Tatum, who's like a baby. I actually think baby. it's weirder when younger guys like that are like, I only drink chia smoothies. It's like, right. no, it's like, this is the time in your life where you can eat literally mozzarella sticks 24 hours a day and Have still you, look like that. Yeah, seriously. Well, you can do People that in five years from now. That. It's like, what's the, what's the matter with eating Chick-fil-A all day long? Yeah. You'll be fine. Chick-fil-A is not what's wrong with Markel Fultz. When you're 18, you're you're ordering pizza at three in the morning and having like a pepperoni and, and sausage. And it's my third pizza of the yeah, day. and it's greasy. <laughs> uh, I think it's one of the craziest. I just can't believe this. And it really does. I rarely go out on a limb with draft picks, especially young guys. So if I do it, I'm really, I'm really adamant. And like, I think Durant was an example, Curry. Anthony Davis, but that was easy. There's certain guys where you're just like, why are we arguing about this? Yeah, right, right. And this is one of those guys. This is crazy. Go watch the YouTube things. He's out there playing against fucking 32-year-old dudes in hostile environments, and he's making crunch time plays. The and- Sharks and Chow Memorial All-Star team. Rudy yeah. Fernandez out there. <laughs> he's got he's got multiple like go-to shots already, and he's got step backs, and he's like the highest level passer you could have and he could create his own shot. It's like, what are you guys talking about? Yeah. How are you not the number one pick? I, I just, I can't believe Phoenix like is going to take him. We want to do Aiden because he's like, even though he doesn't like French playing defense. Guy. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Wait, how many centers have we seen in the uh, final four here? It's crazy. If I was a Phoenix fan and I felt like they might take the center over, over Luca, I honestly, I would like start a website and I would just make, make <laughs> be my campaign. It's like, please stop. Don't do this. No. Uh, Chris Ryan, Ringer FC. Baseball. World Cup. When yeah. is it? We're going to start. Uh, we'll have a couple of preview shows, but then we'll be going pretty much every day for about 25 minutes a day after the games. You can catch us after the third game. First round is triple headers every just day. Just do gambling every day. Sure. Just promise me. Like five minutes of this team's going to win and hear the odds and make this There's bet. a lot of money out there to win. There's a lot of money out there to the win. The Kevin De Bruyne player of the tournament. I don't know who that is. Well, there you go. I don't know. I don't know who any of these people are. Thanks, Chris Ryan. Hey, wedding season is upon us. I feel like wedding season never ends, but now it's really upon us. And when you're bringing a date, you want to look fresh. That's where the blacktux.com comes in. It lets you rent awesome sweet suits and tuxedos and all styles online. Take your style to the next level and funky, cool options like the Emerald Shawl Tuxedo. I don't even know what that is. That sounds fantastic. Blow it out for one big time event. With free home try-on, you can feel the quality and see the fit months before your event. After ordering, your suit will arrive 14 days before the event. If anything is less than perfect, the Black Tux will send you a replacement right away. Wear it. Turn heads. Send it back three days later. It's that easy. Shipping is free both ways. We've had a bunch of ringer people use this. I might make nephew Kyle just wear something from the Black Tux when I do my Friday podcast to mix it up. It'll put a little hop in my step. To get $20 off your first purchase, 
or your next purchase or any purchase, visit theblacktux.com slash BS. That's theblacktux.com slash BS for $20 off your purchase, the Black Tux. Premium rental suits and tuxedos delivered. Now here's an interview we did last week with uh, Johnny Knoxville. It's a new movie coming out. Has never been on the BS podcast before. Here it is. I don't know how this has never happened. I've had this podcast for 11 years. I run into him uh, at a variety of places and um, I don't know. It was like just on my, oh, someday we'll have Knoxville. And then now it's finally here, 2018. Well, it's an honor to be here. Yeah. Um, been following you. God, when did you come into my life? 2000? When, yeah, when was Jackass? Two, 2000? 2000. 2001 was the movie. So yeah, around 2000. What is Jackass? How does that happen in 2018? That's just you guys on YouTube and it's a completely different career path, right? Um, We, yeah, we came along pre-internet, which was great. Yeah. Um, You stood out, you stand out more in the pre-internet, you know, when something's on MTV, it's like, boom. Yeah, and and I mean, people were doing skate videos back then, but it hadn't really come to TV yet. So yeah. we got under the line that way as well. Right. Now everyone, like you said, on YouTube is doing it. And it's just like, eh. <laughs> if YouTube had existed back then, do you think what three, four years earlier you're doing that stuff? When do you think it would have started under under the internet structure we have now? Well, Instagram, I, all these things. I would think since you know it was me, Jeff Tremaine, and Spike Jones, we created it. I think Spike would have found the best place for us. Yeah, you know, because like some people just see part of the field. Spike sees the whole field. So we would have wound up where we needed to be with him. Yeah. How'd you get to know him? Uh, Jeff Tremaine went to high school with him in Maryland. And we were trying to figure out a show to do. And Jeff said, well, why don't we call Spike? And we told him our idea for the show. And Spike's like, ah, how about make it more like the Big Brother videos, which we were already doing. Yeah. And it's like, oh, you mean, yeah, that that's a good idea. Just do what we're already doing. <laughs> <laughs> what were your influences at that point? Everybody has influences. What, what, what was affecting you guys when you're coming up with a vision for everything you were thinking about? Well, just what if me influenced me in my life, the biggest influence would be my father. Yeah. And my mom had a... My mom and sisters had a lot to do with it as well. Um, of course, I love Mel Brooks and like uh, Revere, his comedy. But I was the baby of the family. Yeah. And my sisters were eight and 10 years older. My father told me, you, you was one of them M&M babies. I'm like, what's that, daddy? He goes, you came between menstruation and menopause. <laughs> Best part of you ran down your mama's crack, boy. <laughs> oh, and then my mom... We'd go, oh, honey, it did not. Which is like, mom, you didn't, if you didn't dignify it with that response, right. I would have thought it was just another funny line dad said. Yeah. But I was born with a club foot, so <laughs> I think that happened. Anyway, uh, my father was always pranking people growing up. He, 
he had a tire company where he pranked all his employees, all his friends, uh, stage gunfights, the Christmas parties, or send them letters from the BD clinic saying they contracted a venereal <laughs> disease. Uh, you would give them X-Lax milkshakes. Yeah. And, and my mom, she loved chaos. She loved just, she, she had a, just a short fuse and she just loved creating chaos and, and my sisters, since I was I was the baby, they and my father were always putting me up to naughtiness. So I was bred and raised to be a little shithead. <laughs> to be a shitster and performer. Yeah, yeah. Yes, that's what I did. Yeah. I, I just wanted to make them laugh, so I would do whatever they said. Right. And so I was just programmed from an early age. Like at three or four years old, I would walk in a room full of men and everyone would cover their nuts. Because my dad would is like, hey boy, hey boy, hey boy, go hit him in the cods, go get him a cod shot, and I'd windmill some guy and bring him to his knees. I just thought that's how you said hello, right? So I had no choice in becoming what I became. We did you go to college? Um, I well, my mom wanted me to go to college, and because I was gonna say college sounds like this was would have been really perfect for this in a lot of different ways. Yeah, really, all you do is fuck with each other in college. I wanted to play, ba I was going to play baseball in college, but I blew my arm out my senior season, so oh. I was like, I'm okay. I'll go to Hollywood instead. I don't know why I thought I could do that. Ignorance, youth, adrenaline, um, and that was it. And yeah, it, I went to an acting academy, the past the American Academy of Dramatic Arts, for a few weeks, and I took a couple of classes in college, but I just, it just, I just wasn't interested. I after seventh grade when puberty hit, I threw my protractor away. You know, yeah, I only went to school for social reasons. Up until then, I made had been a good student, made straight A's, but when when I, as soon as I turned thirteen, I'm like, what am I doing? I don't care about any of this. Which, what was is, your, which is a terrible way to look at it, kids. What was your baseball injury? Uh, uh, my elbow just blew out my elbow. I had to. Was it one of the top eight injuries you've ever had? Probably not. No. Considering what happened no. after. It's probably a That's, walk in the park, like having Tommy John surgery. Yeah, which I have to have. <laughs> uh, I was supposed to already, supposed to already had it. Yeah. But my son, I helped coach my son's little league team and it's, the, the players pitch to each other, but if it becomes four, it gets to four balls, the coaches come in and pitch and I'm the, and I pitch to the team. And also I want to be able to throw with my kid and mm. the season's almost over. They're in the championship. So now you're doing Tommy John just to be able to pitch to the kids. This well, is very noble well, by you. Well, no, I was, I was talking to my doctor about it and I'm like, I was a pitcher and just being able to throw is very important to me. Yeah. It's a weird thing, but yeah, I, it's like a manly thing. You want to be able well, to I'm catch not very your manly kids. at all. Like I grew up with sisters, so you know, yeah, you just want to I'm have a not catch the with most kid. butch guy. But I love throwing baseball. Yeah, and I and I used to be pretty good at it, so I want to be able to do that. And there's something about you know, as you get older, you always want to know you can go outside and and wing a baseball and a football. You know, like that, that when you hit that point where you're like, I can't throw a football, I feel like that, at that point, just shoot me in the head. Yeah. Yeah. It's something I enjoy. So I'll have the surgery. I don't care. 
she did maybe some PDs. Maybe there's a lot of things. You yeah, could do. yeah, yeah. I used to uh, in high school. Um, my senior year, our team wasn't that great, and so we all got on steroids. We all seriously? Yeah, yeah. The whole like the most of the team, <laughs> most of the team. Like I, I, I uh, was taking Decadurabolin, which was by shot. It's my, like my knucklehead, my knucklehead buddy would give me a shot and he asked me to give him a shot of it once and I just couldn't do it. I was just I was just basically stabbing him in his ass because I was like, ah, no, like four times. He's like, I'll give it to myself. But we I did it for those six weeks. And uh, what we were still, the results? We still went one in 11. The oh, result no. was in the third game of the year, I broke my ankle in a pep rally. <laughs> <laughs> and a cheerleader fell on it. And all that hard work I had done, all, oh. all those drugs and all that hard work I had done that summer went out the window because a 98 pound cheerleader fell on my ankle and broke it. I still played that night, but I didn't, I wasn't that effective. So you made it through high school baseball with a broken ankle and you blew out your arm. Yeah, well, Probably. by the time baseball came around, my uh, you know my ankle had healed, but I had to pitch so much that year that my elbow just. Went How old's your son in little league? He's eight. Oh, because my son's in the ten, and they still. It's weird. They monitor the innings, but not the pitch counts, which I don't understand. Right. That doesn't so make the one any kid out there who's starting with the seventy-five pitch inning, just getting racked, but yeah. my son can have two, one, two, three innings. He has to come out. That makes, that's a terrible. It's idiotic. Rule. He'll have like, my son will pitch two innings and it'll be like 23 pitches and he's done. And then so the next kid so comes in. He's good then. My son's a good pitcher. I don't know. He learned how to, from video games. He learned how to change speeds and stuff from playing major league baseball, the show. Because if he's having I don't totally understand. 23 pitch inning. That's, he was he's ripping them through. The, he's getting it done. Yeah. He's had some nine, some nine pitch innings and some 11 pitch innings. Annie, but they're 10-year-olds, you know? Annie, it's like they swing at everything. And at that age, it's just important just to get the ball over the plate because you so many games are won just by walking and walking and walking. Right. So I tell them, like, you know, everybody's going to say it doesn't matter who wins or loses. And it's just you getting better and being on a team. I'm like, it matters to me who wins. <laughs> I want you to know that. When you lose, it hurts my feelings and it makes me think less of you. Do you want to have dinner tonight? <laughs> Do you like eating? Do you like having a roof? <laughs> Wait, so uh, back to so late 90s, where are you at this point in your life? Late You're 90s, in LA? Late 90s, I'm just turned the corner of being into my middle to late 20s. I have a one-year-old daughter. Uh, I been writing for magazines for a couple of years and I'm doing commercials. Is that how you make a money commercials in the late nineties? Yeah. From the early nineties, I was just working in restaurants or doing PA work or whatever I could to make ends meet. And then you meet or you didn't meet, you knew him, but spike and then Jack asked forms and then how, how, like, Actually, you, I knew Spike a little before we called him to do the show. He directed some videos for one of my friend's band, yeah. Wax. So I would see Spike around and we knew each other, but uh, I, I didn't have the balls to call him and say, let's do a show together. How'd you find some of the, some of the other people? 
Um, most of the guys were writing for Big Brother magazine. It's the skateboarding mag we came out of. And Jeff Tremaine was the editor of the mag. Got it. And, and we blame Dave England for Aaron McGeehee because uh, we were shooting the pilot up there. And he's like, hey, can I bring my this guy I know along? We're like, sure. Um, actually, Aaron gets has gotten some brilliant footage for us. We just like to give him hell. And Preston was a friend of mine who was bagging jewelry for my then wife's jewelry company. He was sitting on my couch when I got the show. I'm like, you want to be on the show? Yeah. Sure. So. But every, everybody who's on it had a certain level of crazy. Yeah. I don't know. Did yeah. you? Are you like a craziness scout? Like you just kind of knew you could look in somebody's eyes and know that they were just right? Um. Yeah, all all the guys are pretty excitable, and yeah, you can look in their eyes, <laughs> just kind of know <laughs> and know. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know. My father hung around crazy characters, so you just kind of well, know. and that's what I was raised in. Like everyone in his tire shop, you know, you know, ass kicking Robert. Uh, we had one guy Woodrow W W Woodrow Wilson Boxcar Johnson Jr. Uh, Big George. Bo- bo- boxcar, by the way, was always getting arrested for something. Just the stupidest things. Um, so I just grew up in that atmosphere, and it's just all very normal to me. That's why you like Kimmel and Sal. <laughs> <laughs> they also appreciate crazy people. Oh, my God. They want to have lots of crazy people around them at all times. I mean, talk about some good hires. Kimmel has some good <laughs> hires over there. <laughs> I it's a it, cast of characters. It's amazing. It's unbelievable. And I, I give him hell about it. And he just throws it right back at me. And I have no defense. <laughs> you know, I moved out here. I lived in the East Coast my whole life. Then I moved out here to write for his show. And I ended up in an office with Sal and Tony Barbieri. <laughs> that was my office. <laughs> Every day, five days a week. And both of those guys, they just... There was no concept of just sitting at the desk working quietly. Oh no, no, no! There's not a lot of respect. Respect. Oh, there was no respect. No. (laughs) Tony just playing his music, getting upset if you didn't want him to play music because you're writing something. (laughs) Sal would wait for people to leave their desk, and then he would go on and send emails from the people. Oh yeah. That yeah, was a classic so style. Good. So you'd have to like log out every time you left your desk, even if it was to go in the other room for 15 seconds. Yeah. Cause he would log on he would, and he would be like, you know, he's the talent coordinator. He would just email from your email. I don't know who the hell you think you are. Oh yeah. <laughs> and then you'd get it's... this email back. What? And he'd be like, I, I, I. And so then eventually it'd just be like Sal. And then they'd be like, Oh, okay. I get it. Like they would just know. We do that with, phones like if someone leaves their phone unattended you just get on it (laughs) send the worst thing to the the, the most powerful person or the one that gets the angriest on that whoever in there and and then what i do is i if they see me with the phone i'll erase the scent and in the trash so they don't know who to call and apologize to and then until they get the angry or confused email back yeah, we don't, know, we don't allow that stuff here in, in our our company because, you know, the millennials are very sensitive. Right, they right. Get a, they get a pranky text and they, they'd be upset for like a month and a half. Yeah, it is. People are really sensitive. People are very days. sensitive now. It's a different time. Yeah. I remember when Jackass hit, it was still that era of MTV when you watch commercials. Right. Because 
they we hadn't really protect uh, perfected the DVR technology yet. I think TiVo was there. Not a lot of people had it yet, but it certainly wasn't like it is now where you just tape a show and zip through it. Right. And it was like, you know, Beavis and Butthead and um, The Real World, all those shows, you'd watch and you'd just kind of sit there for three minutes. And I remember The Jackass, you know, that first season, first of all, being like, oh my God, what is this? And then you would actually sit through the commercials and be like, is there more? Are they going to come back for two more minutes? And now it's just different. Everything's on demand and it will be like, what's their next thing? Boom, go to the next one, go to the next one. You, there was actually like anticipation that would build during the show. Yeah. You know, yeah, I kind of miss gone. that. Yeah, I kind of <laughs> miss that a little bit. Yeah. That's kind of like the nostalgia for action point. It's like of a, uh, it's about a, yeah, it's about a, and I'm not trying to like go to no, the no, movie, no, no. but Let's I it. just, it was just, this was the most dangerous theme park of all time, you know, and you understand why that why that can exist today yeah but you like wish 10 percent wish yeah yeah you wish it was it was like that still because everything is just so your 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 fun is you know governed now and everyone's very careful all the lawyers and and but the back then it was just fast faster and disaster well, we were forced to rely on our own resources a lot as kids. Mm. We're around the same age. You know, we were on our own all the time. Yeah. Oh, yeah. With what what was good, what was bad, what was safe, what was not safe. Yeah. Should we go here? Should we go there? And now everything is decided for the kids. Like it, the, the level of protection is. Oh, absolutely. I mean, yeah. I do it with my kids. I would never. How, how What's your oldest kid? Uh, I have a six, eight, and twenty-two year old. She's about oh, to the twenty-two year old. You probably let them do their no. Like I was like with I am like with as far as safety goes with my kids. I'm a total helicopter parent. Yeah, like if they're climbing on something, I'm under right under them in case they fall. Like I'm, but my wife says like for safety things, you're like so overprotective. But if they do some, say something naughty, then you don't do that much. So, what's the right age to watch Jackass, in your opinion? Well, that's another thing. My, I, with my daughter, she, she was like four when the TV show came out, and she never got to see a full movie until Jackass 3D when she was fourteen. And even then, she sat next to me, and I had a piece of paper, and I said, "Some places I ask you to cover your eyes." Or cover your ears or both. And so even then she was monitored. And especially with my boy, he's excitable like my father. So right. he doesn't really, they, they don't really know what I do. Rocco, they did both come into the office and they saw a picture of me getting run over by a, a buffalo. And I, I was like, <laughs> I oh remember that one. shit, I should have put that away. And, right. and I was like, oh, that was just, Daddy having fun with his friends at work. And Daddy having fun with his buffalo. Yeah. So I, but then the other day, the trailer for the movie comes on and I just froze. I was like, oh no. Because <laughs> it's the first time Rocco had seen What's that. his dad? He's going to want to watch it. And I I just froze. I didn't, uh, I was like, uh, don't do any of that. <laughs> you know, I just, so. My kid was six. We just let it happen. Yeah. Needless to say, it was in his wheelhouse. 
It's completely in Rocco's <laughs> wheelhouse so much, though, that it's... You, you get concerned. Oh, yeah, yeah. Because he's just... I see a lot of myself in him, and so I'm trying to... Well, you're 50% him. That's why I think one of the reasons. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so trying to keep him in the middle of the road. Well, not in I, the middle of the road. I guess best if you walk to one side or the other. <laughs> I think um, when that show came, when that show really hit, it was still pre-internet. Now everybody has a place to go on the internet. They go on their message board community or their blog or they follow people on Twitter that think like them. And yeah, they go on their little YouTube, like all these different pockets where it's like, oh, I'm part of this community. I'm part of here. And then even as late as 2000, we just didn't have that as much. And it was like it was this group of friends. I felt like they were my friends, even though I didn't know any of them. I think a lot of people felt that way. And, and I think that's harder to achieve now. In 2018, where it's like, here's this group. I just wish I was part of this group, but I'm not. So I'm going to live vicariously through them. Yeah. And it's just sit around just instead of doing things, you just look at other people doing things. Yeah. When did that start? I, I, I guess maybe this century. Maybe might have even started with you guys. Well, I mean, just like whether it's Instagram, Twitter, everyone's just looking at their phone or computers all the time of people doing exciting or objectionable or weird things. What about the video games when they watch other people playing a video game? That do, part do blew they, me away. Are there, what, that's a thing? That's a thing. There's a whole thing called Twitch. There's a whole channel where you can watch people and you can see their faces. Well, I mean, we watched golf growing up. It's basically the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> you know? <laughs> It's just as boring as watching someone play boring. video games. I would just rather play video games than watch somebody play video games. Yeah, but yeah, I, yeah, absolutely. If I had the choice. Yeah. So when when uh when Jackass hit, you guys had bad didn't didn't you had unfavorable contracts? Or it was it became well, MTV, the TV show, the MTV is notorious for... It wasn't worth it to keep doing it. It wasn't unfavorable contracts, which led to the downfall of the TV show. It was basically the same. We took the same storyline that killed Jackass, the TV show, and applied it to Action Point. Uh, the lawyers came in and made it too hard for us to do what we wanted to do oh really because we had some copycat incidents which were uh, you know that we hated that i hated that and but then it was an election year and um washington came down on joseph lieberman came down on mtv the show me personally it was like he was being tough on hollywood i remember i think with remember all that. the real problems but yeah but it, it just, they put all these like people on the show. They were getting squeezed. So we got squeezed. And I was only on the air nine months. And I, I quit because like there was things, oh, you guys can't jump off anything higher than four feet. I'm like, how the, how the hell do we do a show? Right. With, yeah, I'm like, I can't do this. And so I, 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 I quit. And when I quit, but it was better to do the movie, right? The, well, the shit hit the fan for a while because 
I didn't even look at any contracts or anything. I just quit. I just gave an interview to my hometown newspaper and said, I quit. <laughs> and, um, but eventually out of that came the first movie. I like when lawmakers get bent out of shape about a show like Jackass instead of like fixing homelessness or something. Right. That's exactly it's what like, it let's, is. Let's, let's concentrate on this. The, co the copycat Jackass people. There's no, uh, you know, consequence of attacking Hollywood and getting pious. You know, so yeah. it's so, so, so at what point did, at what point with your body where you're like, wow, this is becoming tough for me physically to do a show like this. I never reached, I never really gave it much thought. Cause honestly. I always felt like you were like a, like a football player, like a free safety or something. Oh, if I only had that much speed, <laughs> the club footed tight end. <laughs> um, after the, after I got injured on action point more than I have on any, really? jet, on any film I've ever done. Just think cause, cause you're older. No. Or the stunts were tougher. The, all my stunts are designed to fail, you know? Yeah. They always have been. And, and boy, did I fail in this movie. <laughs> and I set them up. So I hate doing stunts twice, especially if you're going to get worked. Yeah. So I designed them to end as a big of disaster as possible. And yeah, it, by the end of this film, it, it had really caught up with me. What was what was the one that had the uh, the harrowing water slide? Was that Action Park or was that the other one in New Jersey? The what water slide? One of them had the harrowing water slide that they would never allow anymore. Where it actually felt like you were falling to your death. Oh, I don't, I don't, I don't remember one of them in the New Jersey. harrowing water slide when reading about Action Park. Maybe though. No, I think it was maybe it was a competitor. What was this? What was the crazy one at Action Park? Well, the any ride you got on at Action Park <laughs> I mean, was other than all the rides. Because the owner, Gene Mulvihill, is like, you know what? Let's not hassle the kids with a bunch of rules. Let's leave safety up to them. Yeah. And oftentimes, if you thought of the ride, he'd let just let you build it. It didn't matter if you were 15 or 16 or been smoking a left-handed cigarette, maybe half in the bag on booze. You're like, yeah, hey, there's some nails and hammer. So it was literally, you were taking matters into your own hands. Yeah, they were famous for like, uh, you had to be four foot eight to go on the ride, but well, he's three foot eight. Is that good? Yeah, it's close <laughs> enough. Well, yeah, all the people running the rides were teenagers <laughs> yeah. and they were so yeah, a little bit stoned. They didn't yeah. care. And it was like, you were in charge of the fun at Action Park. That was, that was the, their motto. That's what, you know, was in the commercials. Did you, you control the fun? Did you do research for like some of the craziest, most awful things that happened there? Yeah, but we didn't include the most awful things in the film, you know. Right. I was, but there must have been some bad ones, right? Oh yeah, like roller coasters just coming off the track, and oh, I don't know, re remember any roller coasters coming off the track? But I just, it's just every little thing so funny, like it, the water. Uh, was so like oh, first so of disgusting. all, like the on the Tarzan swing. The water was so cold, like I think some people maybe had a heart attack just diving <laughs> just in the water because it was so cold. And then like the other water rides, it was so like girls would often come away with yeast infections because the water was so dirty. Oh, yeah. It's just, oh. Like babies shitting in the water. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And them never cleaning it for no, five yeah. years. To hell with chlorine. Yeah. It was rough. Those are weird times. But not, uh, pretty rampant 
pot use though too and around every corner at those parks too to probably build up your immune system going to action park in a lot of different ways yeah, yeah. if you made it out of there you were tougher stronger healthier it's like when people go on the safaris and they have to get all the shots yeah, yeah you have to get shots to go to action park no it's usually after you went you had to go get shots <laughs> <laughs> to undo the damage of it Let's take a quick break to talk about Flea Flicker. It's almost June. You know what that means? The fantasy magazines are starting to come out. We're a couple months away. It's official. Being your fantasy league's commissioner could be a nightmare. Just ask Sean Yu, who Mally Rubin is still feuding with because of the Ringer football draft. It's impossible to coordinate the draft. There's always that one guy who forgets to set his keepers or in Sean Yu's case, forgets to order the pizza. If your fantasy site makes managing your league difficult, switch to the site built for commissioners by Commissioner's Flea Flicker with both email and live drafts, year-round access, taxi squads, the perfect platform for dynasty and keeper leagues, lightning fast live scoring, reliable rankings, projections, clean interspace, powerful commissioner tools, new mobile apps, 125 scoring rules, 12 positions for customization. They just launched a one-click import tool for ESPN leagues. Move your ESPN league to Flea Flicker instantly. It's 100% free. Find out why thousands of leagues have switched to Flea Flicker. Your league will thank you. Go to fleaflicker.com slash BS. F-L-E-A flicker.com slash BS. One more time. Fleaflicker.com slash BS. I'm going to make Cousin Sal join this thing. Anyway, here's Johnny Knoxville. When you started making movies, you made a movie called The Ringer, which is what we ended up naming this whole company. Oh, all right. The Ringer. And, uh, we had a bunch of names after I left the ESPN and we were forming this place. And we had a bunch of names trying to figure out what uh, what we'd call it. And one of the ones we really liked was, were The Ringer. And oh, that's great. So we Google it and the movie you made came up. But nothing really else. But the movie was like, what, like 10 years ago? 2003 or four? Yeah, yeah. And we're like, ah, it was a long time ago. And when we put it out, we... We just didn't know. We didn't know. People were like, fuck you. That's the Knoxville movie. It was fine. Oh, so, oh no. Yeah, no, it was good. No, it was didn't come in and ruin anything no, for you? No, no, no. It was all good. It was good. That's but it good. was, we were worried. But I ended up, I bought on eBay. There was a, the Ringer hat. Oh, merchandise. There's a, like a red one. Yeah, that you guys made. So I was like wearing that. I was like, hey, we have hats already. It was like, no, we didn't. It was just yeah, you just piggyback on there, that merchandising. <laughs> it was for the movie though. <laughs> then you came back and did a couple other Jackass movies, right? Yeah. Did We've done three or four. I can't even remember. Three, 2006 and 2010. And then Unfor that, Unfortunately, they were on Grandpa. Netflix or Amazon or one of those. So my son was banging them out without us knowing for What's a while. What's that? But they were on like one of the streamings, like Netflix right. or Amazon. And it, there was like this six-month window with our son where we didn't realize that he was as good at navigating around right, like the Netflix right. menu as you realize. Yeah. And he's like, what are you watching? Not nothing. Yeah. <laughs> They're, they're, they're horrible liars at this They age. really are. They're pathological liars. They cannot, well, they, you, they cannot do it well. Right. It's like, you can like. They'd be terrible poker players. My son, it would like, he's like, but I'm a terrible poker player. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, my daughter, she, she's, she's pretty decent at covering herself. Rocco's just an open book. My son has this thing with his jaw that he does that we always know when he's lying. He's like, what? And he's like, he's, I hope he doesn't listen like, to this podcast. Yeah, he definitely he won't. will know not to do it. He definitely won't. He definitely won't listen to it. He did. I did tell him you're coming in and he did want to know if, if, uh, 
if you're ever coming out of jackass retirement or if that was it? Uh, I don't know. It's a possibility. I tell them you never know. I've been surprised by athletes who've come back, TV shows that came back, Ralph Macchio and William Zabkar back. I know. You just never know. You never know who's coming back. I haven't got around to watching that. I got to say it was like shockingly good. I heard that from yeah. so many people that it's really good. It was really good. It was like a continuation because that's like our era, you know, yeah. the Karate Kid. And it was like, kind of picks up where it left off 30 years later with these characters that I didn't realize I still cared about. We're going to get a lot of shows picking it up back up. I think, yeah. You I, know, I think some we're going to be psyched on. Most were not. It's not going to be great. There's a couple though. There's some big, uh, like Cheers couldn't come back with the same cast. But I think the idea could come back. Yeah. Yeah. Like they could modernize that. But then there's other ones where you could take the characters and like they would never do this, but could these random movies that we cared about, like Dazed and Confused and Swingers, could those come back 20 years later? We're like, hey, it's Swingers again. And Double Down Trent is now, you know, and you basically like try to parody what's happened to Vince Vaughn and John Favreau since then. I There's do, cool th ideas out there. The the, the idea, the film, uh, first a film and then it's a television show. I like that idea. I don't know why I prefer it more than opposite the a television show becoming a film 30 years later. But binge watching is fun. Oh, yeah. I, I, that, I do. You can kind of like two thirds watch it, but not devote your full mental energy to it i yeah i do yeah like i was one of those people who never seen the wire before oh yeah it was like everyone's like oh the wire or i'm like oh fuck you <laughs> and i watched the first two or three episodes with my wife and the first two or three episodes i'm like ah yeah it's all right it's all right but something i don't know what it was something clicked and by the fourth episode i'm like we have to watch this yeah all the way through within two weeks yeah so I understand binge watching. Yeah, I mean, I remember I didn't watch 24 initially and then the DVD came out and me and my wife plowed through them. And it was those were kind of the early binge watches when the TV series DVDs right. would yeah. come out. But have you gotten crazy streaming offers to do to bring back different things? Because this is a good era for content right now. Um, well, the things they've want me to bring back is like another jackass or another bad grandpa and that yeah. would just be you know paramount uh wanted me to do that uh the guys were up for it too though uh so and that's it's always up to us because we put everything on the line in those films and yeah everybody has to really want to do it uh to do that you can't go in halfway is there you're going one, to get hurt but if you don't commit you're going to get really hurt right is there one thing when you look back you can't believe that you guys did like you're like wow that that was nuts why did we do that yeah there, i mean it's tough though because if you're doing that kind of thing then you probably don't know where the line is right and I, I officially lost where the line is in action point. <laughs> I did there. I, we we did in Jackass as well, too, though. Because as soon as there's one line, oh, there's another one. Well, it's uh, like professional wrestling a little bit when they kept climbing higher and higher and doing 
these jumps and then at some point they're climbing on these scaffolds that are 40 feet over the ring and diving on each other. And at some point it's like, you're probably going to die if you do that. Yeah. You hit some point that you just can't do it anymore. Is the X just watching the X games? I get anxiety because I mean, that just keeps getting bigger and bigger and bigger. Well, I wonder now this generation that's coming in is now an entire generation removed from X games, Tony Hawk, uh, that original Kelly Slater surf crew. I mean, that's all that stuff is 15 to 20 plus years ago. And all, all these people are now coming in 18, 19, who's they don't even know what life was like before that. Yeah, but I mean, that's the way it is with every generation. But I would say that's a good thing, though. Yeah. A lot of people learn from at this point. Learn from? I don't know. To emulate. The what? To emulate. To emulate those guys? Just all tips, all different types of guys. Yeah, I, I, but it, I mean, thing, it, as far as sports, it just it keeps, you're emulating what's going on today and like the tricks that were insane a few years ago uh, everyone's passed that by right by now Sport- i think it's helped with the nba what's that i think it's helped in the nba because the young guys that have come in now really know how to handle their business and work hard and the reason because they've been watching how this lebron generation has kind of handled their business and how seriously they take everything and you know the amount of time they put in their bodies and their instagram in these 7 a.m workouts and then these new guys are coming in and they're like yeah, that's how you kind of handle your business. Because I, I saw some crazy statistic of, I don't know if it was the NFL, the NBA, like 75, 80% of the athletes are broke just a few years after. Yeah, leaving. we did a 30 is 30 about still, that. Is that still, are they better with their, I think are it's the athletes better. better with their money yeah, now? Yeah, I think it's that's getting good. better. There was a stretch there in the 90s and 2000s when, the education's better. You know, back then you'd get, you'd sign a $10 million deal and you would think it was actually $10 million. Yeah, you don't realize you that don't the realize. government's going to take 40%. Yeah, you do the math takes and it's 10%. Like, if you got a manager, a business manager, you're walking away with like it's like 34 four, cents on a dollar. Yeah, and they thought it was 100 cents. So they would get, they'd sign a four-year $16 million deal and they'd be like, I'm buying an $8 million house <laughs> right? and I'll get $2 million cars. And then it's like, yeah, that's not, it's get, tough, that math's though. not going to work. It's tough. Nothing has prepared you for that. Yeah. So yeah, hopefully. How long have you been in LA now? Over two decades? Uh, I came out in the summer of 89. Oh, three decades. Went back in for the uh, winter of 89. Then I came back for good in uh, January of 90. So, Did you think you'd be out here for this long? Because I'm always amazed. I've been here 15 years and I can't believe I've been here this long. I was going to be here until something happened. Right. I wasn't leaving until I... Like a murder? Uh, yeah. <laughs> until I made it. it yeah. Like, I wasn't... There was no backup plan. So I'm like, I'm here. I'm going to be here until something happens. And so I never thought about it, the location much more than that. And you're here for good now. Uh, I don't know. I kind of take it things as they come. How? Who else is in Action Point? Oh, Chris Pontius is in Action Point, and he is—he absolutely steals the movie. He is so fucking funny on screen, and as soon as they say cut, he's just as funny. 
he's uh, just really obsessed with hatchets and his character was obsessed. He was constantly like making spears for the makeup ladies and actors and actresses. Nobody asked for making a spear. spears. Spears. He was whittling like eight foot long spear, very sharp. And he would give these long spears to the makeup ladies, and they they didn't know what to say. But because he's so sweet, you know, everyone was very touched. Yeah. But, Anyone else gave them a spear, they would think he's a lunatic. But not Pontius. He can get away with so much. <laughs> I didn't know people could give out spears. Yeah. But yeah, there's a lot of great comedians. Uh, and when's it come out? Comedians. June 1st. June 1st. Yes. I'm trying to think. Oh, the finals start the day before. This is perfect. Yeah. Um, you want to you threaten any other movies? Nah. You talk shit to <laughs> talk shit to the other movies? Nah, I'm not much of a shit talker. <laughs> well, they can't hear anyway. Yeah, fuck them. Uh, <laughs> I will see you. Where Where's your kid play little league baseball? Uh in not too far from here. <laughs> we're in the We're in the Wilshire Wilshire one. Yeah, I was gonna say I might see you at the park. Yeah, no, we're on the, the other side of town. The is it a is your league a really competitive league? Yeah, yeah. It'll get probably next year. Probably eleven is when it get, picks up. Yeah, the one he's in is it's it's. They're a little competitive, but it's pretty chill. I figure, but he's only eight, so I didn't want it to be. There are competitive le- leagues for eight, but I didn't want him yeah, in those because he, he's just gaining his confidence, and he doesn't need to be in a high stress baseball. You can't, you can't get into inside your head with baseball because it's all most no. of the game is mental. So I want him to have fun and eventually he'll go to the competitive leagues. It's an interesting parent sport because you're there for like two plus hours mm-hmm. on those metal benches. There's no back support. You're sitting there. Yeah. Your, your, your kid might not do anything for 45 minutes. Yeah. Kind of, kind of watching balls and wild pitches. And then, uh, and then something good will happen. You're like, I'm glad I'm here. Yeah. That's why I like coach coaching. Cause then be first base coach. Uh, I, I do. I am the first base coach, and I, you know, and I also pitch to the kids when. Yeah. Um. So there's not much sitting around at all. All right. Action point. June first. Yes. June first. This is. You gave your body for this one. Oh boy, did I. <laughs> Are you okay? Are you all right physically? Uh. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I recovered. Okay. My neurologist said my brain reset itself <laughs> after all the concussions. So that's oh, no. good. How many concussions have you had? You probably don't even um, know. In this movie, I had four. But I've in had the a, movie or when you were filming? The mo- oh. Shooting the movie, I got, I got four concussions. Oh, no. And I had like probably like around 16 my whole career. Oh, God. Yeah. Whoops. Didn't know. We didn't know back then. No, we didn't. We yeah. didn't know. Um, good luck with Action Point. I'm excited to see it. Thank you. Thanks for coming on. Thanks for having me. All right. Thanks so much to ZipRecruiter. Don't forget to check them out at ZipRecruiter.com slash BS. Thanks to Hotel Tonight. They partner with awesome hotels to help them sell their unsold rooms, which means you get amazing deals, 10 seconds, three taps, and a swipe. They only show you the best deals in the best hotels. Perfect where you're, whether you're a planner or like to leave things at the very last minute. Like me, I might be using Hotel Tonight this weekend. Soccer, my life never ends. Hotel Tonight's HT per- Perks program makes it the more you book, the better the deals get. Start scoring amazing deals at incredible hotels. Download the Hotel Tonight app 
right now. And I told you about Grasshopper, but let's tell you again. If you're an entrepreneur, a small business owner, you have a side gig, whatever, let me introduce you to Grasshopper. The entrepreneur's phone system lets you send and recall calls and texts from your new business phone number. Run your business from anywhere. Respond to clients quickly with Grasshopper's mobile apps. Sign up today, grasshopper.com slash BS. You get $20 off your first month. If you're bored for podcasts this weekend, I am on the Dave Chang Show, episode four, pre-opening diaries. I am on the Rewatchables, the social network. We are taping another one today, Training Day. Mm. Turns out Training Day is a really good movie. I didn't realize that. Oh, wait, I've known that for the last 18 years. Uh, It's awesome. We're taping that today. It's going up next week. The BS Podcast will be back, my guess is Tuesday, unless, unless something so crazy happens over the weekend that I call nephew Kyle and I pull him out of the dark room or whatever bar he is at on Sunday night. The frolic room, maybe. I pull him out of one of his bars and I tell him, we have to tape tonight. That's in play. You never know. Uh, Enjoy the weekend. Go Celtics. Celtics.